Good evening, folks. I hope you've all enjoyed the book of Romans. Today is the last chapter of this book and the 23rd installment of our series. It has taken us seven months. You know, we started this series in March, somewhere March here. And uh, we've gleaned through the rich treasures of God's word in this book. Whilst meditating on, on, on our study for tonight, I, I couldn't help but think of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. How many of you have heard of him before? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was an Englishman. He was a medical doctor by profession whom God called into the ministry. And he became one of the best Bible expositors of our time. Amen. I, I personally consider him a legend. Who is an expositor? Let me ask this question, because I, I did this in the first series of our midweek Bible study. Expositor comes from the word expository. I thought on that, because I know new people are joining us, so they may not understand. So I know, oh dogs, what's the meaning of the word expository? Oh, please, let's, let's all be snappy. Because I know people are here who might not understand that word. So what's the meaning of the word expository? So when we say someone is a Bible expositor, what do we mean? All right, I think I have to call names because we want, I want to be quick today. Pastor Roberts. Expository is when you pick um, like one passage of the Bible and then you go into um, details to explain that passage um, and bring out the message that the passage is saying. Amen. Exactly. Amen. So what we, what we are doing, like this Bible study, has been some sort of an exposition. Amen. So that was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' um, style of preaching. In fact, when he took the book of Romans, it took him 13 years to finish. Can you believe it? He started a series in October 1955 and finished Romans in 1968. Think about it. Every week when it comes to the book of Romans, 13 years. <laughs> That's man. And he didn't even finish. He stopped at chapter 14, verse 17. He didn't even finish. Because the scripture where it talks about the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't understand that scripture. I don't know what it means to have peace in the Holy Ghost, joy in the Holy Ghost. I've not, I don't understand it. So he's not going to teach something he doesn't. So that, that's how he finished the book of Ray. He stopped at just chapter 14. It's 13 years. Yeah. So if you come to the church and you dedicate your child, by the time you had finished preaching the book of Romans, your child is a teenager. 13 years, amen. <laughs> uh, it is so for us, we've, we've not really, we've scratched just the very deep surface. I mean, that's how rich and exhaustive the word, the word of God is. That, that's, that's how he always preached. He pastored a church called Westminster Chapel. Westminster Chapel today is more like a, tourist attraction sites in England because Spurgeon also pastored that church. Yeah, so it's it's a great historical monument now in England. Empty. Nobody goes to church there. We just go and talk there. So this is Spurgeon. Spurgeon used to preach here and uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd just preached here. He, he preached on the book of John. 262. So that would be how many years? If you preach a message for 262 weeks, how many, how, how many years would that be? The book of John. We are on part 57, right? Yeah, 262. That's 52. I mean, it's more than four years. And it is not preaching it like me, where I even break and then maybe I'll come. It's that continuous every Sunday. 262. So that's all. That's all he does. Amen. But for some reason, I, I don't know. Tonight I was meditating on this. I really remembered him. Amen. Uh, before we look at today's chapter, we, we spoke on the need to 
um, bear the scruples of the weak. What's the meaning of the word scruples? That doubts, you know, and uh, things not so clear. So as Christians, we are supposed to bear the doubts of the weak. And what were the doubts? We learned that in chapter 14. You know, people uh, uh, had doubts about, should I eat meat, should I not eat meat once I've become a Christian? That's, that's a basis of doubt. So as Christians, we are to bear with such people. That, that was the current situation in Paul's day. In our day today, is different. Today, what's the doubt? The vaccine. Are you a vaxxer or are you anti-vaxxer? So if you're a Christian, you should, not, you should not break up with somebody just because of this. Someone will say, I'm an anti-vaxxer. Someone will say, I'm a vaxxer. Don't break up. With, bear. Bear with the person. All right? Perhaps. He might be weak in faith. All right? So, and people are trying to, you know, put this like, oh, 666, when I take it, I have the antichrist, all that sort of thing. Bear with them. Don't say, oh, because of that, I've broken my friendship with you. That's not what the Bible commands us. Bear with people. It doesn't have any doctrinal ramifications. Bear with people. It's not everything that we have to be apologetic about. Apologetic means to defend the truth of the gospel. Amen. So sometimes we have to learn how to take a chill pill and really chill. Amen. Don't create uh, mountains out of molehills. Amen. And then one of the things that one of you said is the gospel unites. And I like that. The gospel unites. You know, these Gentiles who were, who, who didn't get on, who were feuding with the Jews, they blessed them. Gave them an offering. We learned that last week. All because of the gospel. Apostle Paul's generosity of the Gentiles drove him to Jerusalem to go and give them money. And the churches were Macedonia and Achaia. And why could that happen? It was because of the gospel. So no matter how tense the situation will be, the gospel is a knife that can dice and cut off every tension and every feud. That's why if you're a Christian and if you are still holding on to certain feuds, certain long-standing quarrels and things, uh, you have not really experienced the transformative power of the gospel because when you experience that, uh, you will change. Amen. All right. So today we are on chapter 16. And uh, yeah, one more thing. This chapter also closed, uh, chapter 15 also closed with a personal tone. We learned that. Paul now begins to tell the people, I'm, I'm about to travel. He gave them his itinerary and all that stuff. I thought I should just put that one in. Because when we read the um, last few verses, I think the last 11 verses, we see that there. Amen. So now let's read the first 14 verses of chapter 16. Um, these verses basically sends greetings to the Roman saints. You know, but there are some very powerful life truths we can learn from um, this tonight. Uh, one thing you have to know is that everything that I should say in the Bible is for a purpose. Even the maps, even the maps, the maps in the Bible are for a purpose. You know, Genesis chapter 5, and Abraham begat, this begat, this begat, this begat, this give up. It, it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. So no part of the Bible is useless. Everything is important. So today, what we are going to read, it might seem superfluous, like, you know, what am I going to get out of this? But trust me, we are going to get something tonight. So let's read the first 14 verses of chapter 16. The first 14 verses of chapter 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Crenshaw, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business <clears throat> she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Verse 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So never despise a meeting that meets in a house. <laughs> Paul says it's a church. You see? 
We might call it otherwise. It's a church. Well, it's a church which they have a temple where they were meeting in the house. It's a church. And why is it a church? Because it's a church because it's the body of Christ. That's what makes it a church, not a building. That's interesting. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Verse 6. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who were in Christ before me. 8. Greet Amplias, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Ebanos, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apels, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodion, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena, I wish Tryphena was here tonight, and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rephos, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Verse 14. Greet Asencritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobas, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Verse 15. Greet Philogos, and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. You know, to greet someone with a holy kiss, it's just salutary, right? You know, there are some cultures that practice by kissing you on the forehead or on the cheeks or on your hand, that, that kind of thing. Amen. So, from what we've read today, I want us to pay particular attention to women being mentioned in the scriptures. Are you aware women are being mentioned in the scriptures? A lot of women. How many of you recognize that? Give, give me a thumbs up as we were reading. Did you hear a lot of women being mentioned in the scriptures? I, I really want us to learn something today as we learn about that. Uh, when it comes to women, particularly, it tends to bring theological, cultural, and linguistic issues. And, and why do I say that? Because uh, up to now, you know, the church was in the first century, so this was the first century. There was only one church. From the church of Pentecost, it was said that the Pentecost experience started AD 33. That's the year of our Lord. That's when the church started. From AD 33, right up to 1054, we had only one church. It was called the Orthodox Church. Then, by 1054, the church split. And when the church split, it split and then we had the Orthodox, which was the Eastern part, and then the Roman Catholic, which was the Western part. And why did the church split? The church split because there were leaders and bishops from five major cities. Because during those days, these were the strongholds of the church. So every year they come together called the Council of Nisin, where they gather together to discuss issues and things pertaining. But on that meeting in 1054, the church split. And why did the church split? The church split because of number one, the, uh, Trinity. That's the big thing. So, whilst the four churches of, you know, the, not, not the bishops and leaders of the four cities were almost in consonance and coming to an agreement with the Trinity, which talks about God in three persons. The bishop of Rome had a different understanding. And this was what split the church into two. But it wasn't just the Trinity that split the church into two. So your cultural issues such as women also split the church. And out of the Catholic Church in 1500, we have the Protestants. Protestants are made of Charismatics, Pentecost, Baptists, uh, AME, uh, African American, Methodist, Episcopal, all those churches are Protestants that, that came in 1500. 
The reason why I'm at, I, I, I really want us to know that is anytime there has been a split. So today, there are three branches of Christianity. I hope we all know that. There's the Orthodox, there is the Catholic, and then there's the Protestant. And Charismatics, Pentecostals, Word of Faith, whatever movement, we are all under Protestants. The reason why I'm, I'm, I really want to start with this that anytime the subject of women comes up, it always brings a divide. Okay, so today I just made a slide so that uh, we will learn something. This is my first time making a slide at Midweek Bible Study. Give me one sec. Okay. Can you all see the slide? All right. So, all the three churches are either in one of these two fields when it comes to women. It's a big thing. There is the egalitarianism and there is the complementarianism. And why do I say that? I say that because it has to do with women. Now, as an egalitarian, it comes from the French word equal, egalité. That's where it comes from. The complementarian comes from the English word Compliments. So, what do they believe? They have a lot of things they believe, but I just want to simplify this so that we will understand it and, and build our case tonight. Both of them have one thing they believe. They believe that all men and women are the same in personhood. So, that's what they believe. God created us all of us in the image of God, same in personhood. But that's where their beliefs stop. Or they have two beliefs. Both of them say their philosophy is from the Bible. So I'm talking about how church splits happen in the first place because of this. And it's very important that we stick to what the Bible really says. So the egalitarian, they don't believe in gender rules. They have scriptures for that. Some scriptures like Galatians chapter 3. It talks about... In Christ, there is neither sex nor, nor female, you know. There's, I'm sorry, there's neither male or female, Jew or Gentile. That scripture, Galatians chapter 3. They believe in that scripture. They believe in Joel chapter 2, where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit shall be poured upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men and women, old men and women. You know, so they, they, they are like, they don't believe in gender rules. Complementarians, on the other hand, they believe men and women, even though they are created in the image of God, they have specific rules for each other. And they also have scriptures. Scriptures like Timothy. You know, where Paul advised Timothy that let the older women teach the women, the younger women, how to become homemakers and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So you see that it's a gender role. So, so they also believe in that. And uh, Eglintarians, they believe in women pastors. That's one of the strong features of the Protestants, right? They believe in women pastors. Complementarians, they don't believe in women pastors. They don't believe that women are called into ministry. They believe that women are called to do other things or are to play complementary roles, but they are not to assume leadership roles. I understand me. So today, when you look at the, the landscape of all the Christian church, which is divided into three branches, it's either one is operating egalitarian system or one is operating complementarian. And all of them say their philosophy is from the Bible. But they all have negative sides. The negative side is sometimes egalitarians tend to be very feminist. I must be honest, some of the female preachers I have listened to tend to really promote subtle tones of feminism in their preaching, which is wrong. I don't really believe in feminism anyway. I don't believe in feminism. I believe in equal rights, but I don't believe in the, the feminist agenda. The negative side of being a complementarian is that it also tends to really suppress women. And you and I who follow Jesus Christ, the Jesus that I know, didn't suppress women. If there were people who really had full expression, 
of themselves to walk in their identity as women. It was under the leadership of Jesus. So I, I, I also tend to have a problem with becoming a full-blown complementarian. Are you understanding me? Because they don't believe that you should preach, you, you should take any leadership, none of that. Very extreme. The other extreme of egalitarian is that we believe in women. We don't believe in gender rules. And is that one also correct? I really don't think so. Amen. And then both of them, like we said, their philosophy is from the Bible. So now you ask yourself, who is right? That's why we always have to allow the Bible to inform us. So from this scripture, there are some things we can really learn about women today, which I really want us to learn. Amen. There are some things that we can learn from women today. So from the, from the 16 verses I just read, there are seven truths that I want us to learn about women. Amen. So the first one is women can also serve in the church. We saw that in verse 1. The Bible lets us know that Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Crenshaw. So women can also serve in the church. So if you say you are a full-blown complementarian, explain to me Romans chapter 15 verse 1. Women can also serve in the church. Paul recommended to the church of Rome that I'm sending Phoebe to you who has been of great help to me. So women can serve in the church. The second truth that we can learn from this is that women can also be fellow workers with men in ministry. Most of the time, some of you are talking about workers, laborers in the, in the ministry. We always tend to exclude women and focus so much on the men. But women can also be fellow workers. And how do I know that? Verse 3. The Bible says that great Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, women can also be fellow workers with men in ministry. So if you call yourself a spirit-filled person, don't bring corporate sexism into ministry. Because right here, we see that there is a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. In fact, it should have been Aquila and Priscilla, but it's Priscilla and Aquila. Because there are many commentators that said that Priscilla was actually the head of the church and her husband was assisting. So women can also be fellow workers with men in ministry. So I think not long ago, somebody asked me this question. So Pastor Steve, are you a complementarian or an egalitarian? I said I'm neither of them. I tend to stand in the middle because I do believe that there are certain roles assigned for women so maybe we'll say it's gender rules. At the same time, I'm also not a full-blown complementarian that I will suppress the rights of women or I'll suppress the expression of women to flow in what God has called them to do. Amen. So I think that's my answer. So I said I, I stand in the middle because I think if you take any of these philosophical views or theological views, you could err. And I, and I explained to, to the person, you know, the, the, the ditch of egalitarianism and the ditch of complementarianism. I understand me. Number three, women can also pioneer churches or movements. Read verse four. It talks about Priscilla and Aquila. They risk their necks for the life, for, 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 for Paul's life, Right? They risk their necks for Paul's life and also for all the churches of the Gentiles. So the churches of the Gentiles were operational. They were in existence because of a couple's apostolic ministry. It almost cost them their lives. That is pioneering work there. You know, the, planting a church in the Gentile region was a movement. It's never happened before. You know, they are used to ministering in Jerusalem and Judea. And then occasionally they will go to Samaria. You know, they also, Jews did not really get along with Samaria, but at least they went to Samaria. But the uttermost part of the effort talks about the Gentiles. It was fairly an untouched region. And it took a couple to pioneer that. You know, Peter was the first person that preached to the Gentile region. But Paul was the one who God called him to be an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. But whilst he was doing the work, 
There were people who stood with him to pioneer the movements in which he was involved in, Prisla and Aquila. I understand me. So women can also pioneer churches and movement. So it is not wrong if you see a woman being a general overseer, a founder of a ministry. Why not? Right here, we see Prisla and Aquila, they pioneered a movement. And, and because of them, that's why the gospel has reached all of us. Because all of us are Gentiles. If you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Amen. Number four, women can, women can also pastor churches. How do I know that? Look at verse five. The Bible says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. In whose house? Priscilla and Aquila. So it is scriptural for a lady to be called a pastor. It's not a sin. Complementarians, on the other hand, will say that's feminism, but that's wrong. Feminism is when someone will actually want to take the place of a man and usurp authority. That's feminism. But if you give someone a title that a man also has, that does not have any feminist undertones. So we're going to be pastors. Because the person that were pastoring the church here and the people where the church was meeting in the house was of Priscilla and Aquila. Are you understanding me? So women can also pastor churches. Women can also labor for the Lord. How do we know that? Verse 4. Great Mary who labored much for us. Then verse 12. Great Trafina and Trifosa who have labored in the Lord. They even sound like twins to me. Trafina and Trifosa. I won't be, be surprised if they were twins. They labored in the Lord. So when we are talking about laboring in the Lord, women, don't count yourself out. You too, you are also called to labor in the Lord. Don't say that it's only men who are supposed to do that. I'll just be at the backside cooking. And, yeah, and you have to cook and you have to do all your domestic duties. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But labor in the Lord because Mary, verse 4, was laboring in the Lord. Twins, I, I really want to believe they are. Trafina and Trafosa were also laboring in the Lord. So women can also labor for the Lord. Number six, women are also called into the fivefold ministry. How do I know that? Look at verse 7. Great Andronicus and Juniah. Juniah is a female name. My countrymen and my fellow prisoners. So Juniah was also in prison. Okay? Who are of note among the apostles. So, there's a female apostle there. So, suffice it to say, women are also called into the fivefold ministry. Just as a man can equally um, um, flow, but can be called into the office of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, women equally can also be called into an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's as simple as that. And then number seven, sex should be a non-factor in ministry. Do you understand? So from, from what we've learned in the first 16 verses, sex should not be a, a non-factor in ministry. And what scripture will I stand on? Galatians chapter 3. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female, slave nor free. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So once we come into Christ. Now, what that means is that it doesn't mean, it, it doesn't recognize you as a female. What it means is that when it comes to ability, when it comes to being treated fair, sex doesn't come into play. But you are a woman. Once, once you've received Christ, you are a woman. 
Unless you receive Christ as a, as a lot of persons, if you are as a male, you are a man. But when it comes to ability, when it comes to receiving the grace of God, when it comes to receiving the gifts of God, sex doesn't come into play here. And if we come at the invitation of Christ to experience salvation and sex is not into play here, why will sex then be into play in other areas or in other realms of the Christian faith? Amen. So, 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. You see, men and women are equal in the sight of God because both of them are heirs of the grace of God. They are joint heirs. Okay? Man doesn't have more grace than a woman. Man doesn't have certain abilities because of the level of grace upon his life than a woman. So sex should really be a non-factor when it comes to ministry. Amen. That's why it's important to know about the egalitarian and the complementarianism. Uh, the choice is yours. If you want to belong to any of those philosophical views or theological views, that's fine. But for me, I'll really stay in the middle because I see in the scriptures where there are certain roles assigned for women. At the same time, I also see in scriptures where God also promotes equality and unity and fairness among men and women. So for me, it's either or, or neither. Amen. All right. So let's move on to the next part of our teaching. Let's read verses 17 to 20. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ by their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Uh, Pazeska, I'll get to your assignment next week. I say so because right here in the scripture, we see doctrine as a, as a, as a reason of separation. Amen. So Paul was telling his audience to note or to mark people who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine they have learned. So what was the doctrine Paul was talking about? Everything that they have, they have read, the letters from chapters 1 to 15, that's the doctrine. Paul is saying that if anybody preaches anything contrary to what you've learned, the previous 15 chapters, note or mark that person and avoid them. There is the same Paul. Chapters 14 and 15, he's saying that don't separate, be like-minded, be unified together. You understand? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul campaigns, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But right here, Paul is saying that sometimes that cannot really happen. Separation has to come. Amen. And, and that, like I said, the first 1,054 years, there was only one church called the Orthodox Church. It had to separate, number one, theology. That's a big one. And what was the theological issue? Trinity. God exists in three. But is it that Catholic? They still don't believe in that. You know, they don't believe Jesus as God. They just believe in Jesus as a son. So that, you see, that, that collision of truths brought a separation. And then if you look at the Protestant church too, the Catholic church, when they separated, they started to believe that salvation is by penance. You have to pay, you know. And thank God for Martin Luther. 
He read the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, which says that, For we have been saved by grace through faith, not of works that man should boast, but it is the gift of God. Based on this, there was also another separation. So sometimes doctrine can be a cause for separation, and there is nothing wrong with that. It's biblical. Amen. And Paul said, People like that should be avoided. And he gave some strong reasons for that. Four important reasons. One, people who tend to bring division and offenses to the body of Christ because of a contrary doctrine, they do that because, number one, they don't serve the Lord. They don't serve the Lord. So right now, as you are a Christian, anything that is contrary to the word of God, mark the person, note the person, Avoid a person because he is not serving the Lord. Number two, they are selfish. That euphemism, they serve their own belly, means selfishness. Food and money tend to be their gods. Pleasure. There are some people who don't preach the correct doctrine all because of pleasure. Because they serve their own belly. And I, I tell you the truth, in these days and times, it is so easy to compromise and buckle at the slightest pressure to change your message. You know, Martin Lloyd Jones, the man I just mentioned before I started, you should see how people criticized him in England. But thank God he stood first and stood firm. And it's now that he's dead and gone that now people. I appreciate, wow, this man was a real blessing. Are you understanding me? So some, some, sometimes uh, we have to be steadfast for the truth. We have to. Because if not, we will buckle under the least pressure and we, 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 will, we will serve our belly because of money, because of pleasure. And in ministry, you can either follow the God of ministry or the God of ministry. Which are you after? If you're after the God of ministry, you will compromise your message, you compromise your standards, you compromise your principles, you compromise your truths, you compromise everything. If, if you are really after the God of ministry, be after the God of ministry and not the God of ministry. Amen. Going after the goal of ministry, you are serving your belly. Number three, they are eloquent and oratorial. They have the gift of gab. Transformative preaching is not the same as eloquent speech. Don't mix the two. Or accelerated speech. You are talking like you are a commentator. <laughs> No, it's not the same as transformative preaching. Not the same. They're very different. There's nothing wrong with being eloquent. It's nothing wrong with being oratorial. In fact, I must be honest. That's my personal opinion. Some of the best preachers I've listened to, they don't have the gift of gab. If you listen to them, you will sleep. That's like, it's very boring. But I'm talking about real transformative power. And I'll give you a typical example. If you like, go ahead, Derek Prince. Compare him to any of the preachers you listen to. He sounds very boring and, you know, it's like he doesn't even have a persona or a charisma. But you sit now and listen to the message. This is what is called transformative preaching. Anytime I listen to that man, I'm always remembering the scripture where Paul said, I did not come in the eloquence and in the excellency of man's speech and wisdom, but I came in the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. Look, if you want to learn how to preach well, you don't have to go to speaking classes. I'm telling you. Maybe you have to go to speaking classes so that you can enunciate certain words very well and get your point across. That's good. But speaking classes is not going to bring the transformative effect upon your audience. It's the power of God. And so these people, they are very oratorial. So perhaps when people see them, they will become very wild. Like, wow, the guy can preach who? He knows how to combine words. The fact that you know how to combine words doesn't mean you are preaching the gospel. You could be preaching a doctrine that is contrary to what we have learned, but 
your gift of eloquence and, and how oratorial you can speak, uh, uh, how oratorial you how oratorial uh, uh, you can you can be, and probably your speech is going to deceive us. So watch it, amen. But honestly, I'm very careful of people who are too oratorial. It's nothing wrong with being oratorial, but that doesn't replace the power of the gospel, amen. Number four. They deceive people who are ignorant or simple. So they have a target. If, if, you are, if you are knowledgeable, they will never come to you. Once they see that you are ignorant and simple, they will target you. That's why people like that, they don't serve the Lord. Because they have a target. Their target is who is ignorant, who is simple, and then they will deceive. And that's why Paul is saying that people like that, you will have to mark them, note them. And avoid them. Simple as that. Amen. So, like I said earlier on, you don't separate with people over doubtful things like food in Paul's day. In our day today, like I said, it can easily be the vaccine. Are you a vaccine or anti vaccine? That should not destroy friendship. If we are Christians, that should not destroy, you know, whatever. If the person doesn't want to take vaccine, whatever, look, that's fine. If, you, if, if it's a conspiracy theorist, that's fine. This is not the reason to separate. And there are many people who have separated because of that. Sometimes it can even be politics. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? But I thought we were Christians. I thought we are joint. And that's what should matter. You know, or do you have traditional or conservative views? Or are you liberal? Yeah, that this one can even separate. What, what are your views? Do you have liberal views? Or do you have traditional or conservative views? Then they will ask, what do you think of marriage? What are your views on marriage? Are, are they liberal views or are they traditional or conservative views? Yeah, that alone can even separate a friendship. But this shouldn't be. Amen? It shouldn't be. So now Paul ends with greetings and prayers for the church. So verses 21 to 27, the last six verses. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Right? So Tertius wrote the book. But the brainchild is Paul. It was said that Paul was dictating and Tertius was penning it down. Okay? Yeah. So Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quatus, a brother. So now um, Paul is now going to pray for them. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, according to my gospel, that he's able to establish you through the preaching of Jesus Christ and according to. The revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, who is the wise God, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So that's the end of the book. Well, before we end, you will see Paul's ministry was impactful and dynamic. Do you know why? Because he had a team. Right? So among his team were Colebres. He talked about Timothy, uh, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. These were his Colebres. They worked with him. They prayed with him. Perhaps he even shared preaching appointments with them. He had a team. It, it, you see, Paul did everything, but right here you see he had a team. He had a team. And then you also see writers. So sometimes he will get tired of writing. Someone else will have to take over. So that I don't feel like writing, I'll just dictate and you just write. See, he was there. There was a writer. There was a church host. Someone hosted the church. His name is called Gaius. You know, where Paul was preaching, the host of the church was there. So it's because of the host, that's why Paul had people to preach to. So you see, Paul had a team. Right? And then a treasurer. And this one, he worked for the city. Can you imagine in your church, you have a treasurer who is for the city of New York 
Will he definitely not become a treasurer of the church? Probably. So he had a treasurer. And like, so team, team. Look, you can be so anointed that when we switch off the lights, you will glow in the dark. But without a team, you are going nowhere. You are, you are going nowhere. So, so Paul, Paul's ministry became impactful, became dynamic because he had a team. And it I, I also lets me understand that Paul really understood teamwork. It's not about him. He always made sure that he gave major shout-outs and props to his team behind him. Amen. So I, I, I personally, I learned something needs from there. And then from verse 25, as we just read, Paul blessed them that may they be established according to the gospel. The gospel is able to establish us. Amen. So that's it. We're done with the book of Romans. Amen. All right, we're done. So next week, it's a Q&A session on the book of Romans. Any verse, any chapter you don't understand can be asked, okay? So from chapters 1 to 16, anything you don't understand, something that really bothers your mind, you can ask it. So next week, I just want to really tap all loose ends on the book of Romans. So anything you don't understand, think about it, write it down. So that as you can come and ask, okay? So just think carefully, what, what did I learn? Maybe I didn't understand something about chapter one. I didn't understand something about chapter two. Because I'm going to go through a review of all the 16 chapters and then we can all ask our questions. Amen. So next week, we'll just have just, a, a, it's just going to be an hour of Q&A on the whole book of Romans. Amen. So now, uh, questions or contributions for today. The floor is open. God bless you. If you don't have a question, then a contribution. Maybe as you were learning, you, you, God gave you something, you know, you could just share with us and I'm sure it would be a blessing. Hello. Hello. Talk. I think it's all right for uh, our proof that a woman can be a, a preacher as long as she's doing God's work. Amen. That's, that's my belief that I have. Amen. 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 I think that was a good one. Yeah. I, I don't think our women understand that they have the ability to also be used by God in those ways. And I think a lot of us need, need that um, confirmation. They need that, um, uh, what is it, um, edification support that um, they're also able to do, you know, great things in, in the world and for the Lord. Amen. You know, Psalm 68 verse 11, the Bible says that the Lord sends forth his word and great is the company that published it. In fact, that word company is supposed to be woman. It's not, it's not just company. It's wrong. The word company is wrong. That's why all the contemporary versions, it has replaced the word woman with company. That's the, that's the original correct word. Great is the woman who published it. I believe strongly that God has an agenda for women when it comes to the end time revival that will usher in crisis coming. Shouldn't sell it. So even 1600 King James, when it was translated, instead of using the word woman, I'd rather put company there. And I'm God that all the contemporary versions, if you read Psalm 68 verse 11, all the contemporary versions put the word woman there. So women are important. Amen. Yeah. All right. So. Since there is no question, what have you learned today? Please, everybody, unmute your mics and talk. Everybody. I want to hear everybody before I close. So, shall I go anti-clockwise or clockwise? All right, clockwise. 
All right, clockwise. Okay. I don't know where your screen is at. Yeah. All right. So, um, I know this is not one of the things that you actually went through, and I liked a lot that you said some really powerful things. But um, I find it very refreshing that um, I think he mentioned everybody that helped him, or and he made sure that he gave them props. I guess in our in our lingo, that's what we would say, right? Uh, he co- commended them and he thanked them for their labor, and he made sure to address each and every single one individually, because it took up almost all of chapter sixteen, and he didn't care. And I think that you know, as workers in anything that we do, uh, people who help us, who are by by us, we should make sure that we commend them and that we thank them for their labor. I think it's very important. Amen. Very powerful. That's so true. Basically, this chapter is a chapter of greetings. That's, that's what personally I call it, a chapter of greetings. Amen. So, it's clockwise. So, next person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before somebody says mine. So, what I learned was um, women are also important in ministry. We shouldn't just leave it, leave it for the men and say that they are the workers. So, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. You know, sometimes when I listen to certain preachers, I'm like, wow. You know, sometimes when I listen to my wife, I'm like, so if I was to be very suppressive, I'm not going to receive this knowledge. It's going to give it to only her. You know, so sometimes I feel like when you do that, you are really limited your ministry. Seriously. I really believe so. Some of the greatest messages I've heard have been from women. God God, God works in both sexes. Amen. I believe so. Strongly. Okay. Who else, please? I think Shaquana. Yes. Shaquana, you can't go. I think that I learned that I didn't know that woman was mentioned so much in the Bible and that sex shouldn't be a factor. Um, I learned a lot about that. Amen. Amen. All right. Two, two more people. Felicia hasn't spoken. Our sister Felicia. Yeah, I said two more people. <laughs> They know themselves. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, what I learned is that um, it didn't matter what they did. Whatever is like everybody was recommended for whatever effort they put in. And one of our sisters already said it that um, it's not the norm that a man or men are just supposed to labor or to do the work of God. That so far as you are called, whether you're a woman or a man, you should just go on and labor. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. Last person. Um, I just want to add that um, uh, you give us an example of two extremes. Where I never, one of the groups... One of the groups just saw women as being complimentary, and the other people saw, uh, saw women as um, having a role to play, but um, some sort of supportive role to play. But then, so you you told us that both extremes are wrong, and it's um, a mixture of the two. Women can be complimentary, but women can also have leadership role, and women can be apostles because. They are also called by God. And even as the book of Joel says that in the end time, it's not going to make a difference between men and women, or maid servant or men servant. It's going to pour his spirit on all flesh, which sons and daughters will we're all going to have a part to play in the ministry. Amen. Powerful. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your contributions. Amen. Your contributions also make the study, you know. I don't think I'm the only person. Your contributions really rounds up and really makes the study uh, effective. So 
all your contributions are valued, okay? I just want you to know that. Amen. So on, on this note, I just want us to pray for our presiding bishop. Today is his birthday. Amen. Um, I want us to pray for him. Give me one sec. All right. So that's him. That's our presiding bishop. Bishop upon Eddie Jeffy. Today is his birthday. We thank God for his life. I thank God that he's alive and God is alive. We pray that may God give him more strength, more grace. May he bless him with long life that he will be able to lead ICC uh, to the desired destination God has appointed the church to be. Uh, secondly, let's pray for him that may God answer all his personal needs, his heart desires, Whatever prayer request that he's looking forward to, may God answer it. Let's, let's speak a word of blessing over our spiritual father and our bishop of this great ministry. Let's open your mouth and begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you for our presiding bishop. We bless him in the name of Jesus. We just want to say that blessed be the name of the Lord for this great gift that you've given to the body of Christ. We want to thank you. Uh, this evening, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Adaka inamando sibentule de kal shabatale de kal talebre komanda da bojika da da baba. Speak a word of blessing, oh Lord, Father. We pray that say sickness be far from his tabernacle. We pray that may he walk in good health and in good strength. We pray that may all his prayer needs be answered, Lord. Let all his desires be answered. May he enter into a season of great fulfillment and great rest, Lord. I pray that may he enter into a season of plenteous harvest, plenteous harvest, O Lord, for every seed that he has sown tirelessly for the kingdom of God. I pray that in this season may he reap it in the name of Jesus. We thank you that his hands are strengthened, O Lord, to do more for your kingdom. We thank you for the great example and the great inspiration that he has been. We thank you for him being faithful to preaching the word and, and, and standing for the truth and the integrity of the word, which has even served as an example for some of us pastors. And we pray that may he continue to toe that narrow road, Lord, and find him faithful, Lord. We pray every blessing upon his life. We pray that may riches and honor be in his left hand, length of days in his right hand. May he be crowned with supernatural wisdom like never before. I thank you, O Lord, for every blessing upon every blessing that you have bestowed upon his life. May this year become one of his best years and his most memorable because it was filled with joy. May his cup run over until he enters into next year, looking at it with so much gratefulness and gratitude, and we will be able to thank you, O Lord, together with him as he rejoices that, alas, he has tasted of the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. We speak a word of blessing upon him as the household of faith in New Jersey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright. God bless you guys. Let me also sign off with a heartfelt thank you to some of you who have blessed me personally out of your hearts. Amen. I really want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, some of you have really ministered to me. Have blessed me. Just to say that I appreciate you, Pastor. That's just appreciating this. So I really want to say thank you to you all. It touches my heart very dearly. But please don't forget Pastors Jessica, Pastor Robert, because they are also part of us. Amen. Oh, uh, God bless you. Don't just minister to me, minister to them. There are three pastors here. Amen. Pastors appreciation months, they are also included. So remember them. Amen. I've also been blessed by some of the members as well. So. Oh, okay. Oh, we thank God. Thank God. Blessings. Blessings. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, just like Apostle Paul prayed, I pray that may my God supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. May you walk in ever-increasing abundance that you will never lack any good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless all of you. Amen. amen. Thank you. All right. 
Um, I want us to pray for Shaquana. Let's pray God's healing upon her life. Amen. Open your mouth and say something. Let's pray. Let's pray for healing. We pray for divine health. Pray for restoration of strength. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise. Dalo ziba katando libro shabaka dimanderi ando sokahado libre katanda labro sikayade. Father, I pray that from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, she is healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For your word, I said that healing is the children's bread. And Father, because she is a child of God, Lord, I pray healing upon her life in Jesus' name. Thank you, O oh Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Father, it is done. It is done. We believe it. We call it done. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you, Shaquana. You are healed. And I, I, I look forward to you becoming stronger and stronger and healthier and healthier by the day. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Good night. Thank you, guys. You guys are a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate all of you. Good night.